Well, friends, it's been quite a year and a half, and we've been hearing, sensing, sometimes suffering through, it seems, Jesus knock, knock, knocking on our doors, on the door of our lives individually, on our door as a church. And as we head further into this summer, we want to take time today to simply pause, pay attention to what he might have been saying to us, and be ready to open the door to the new adventure he has for us. Because we're still all about knowing Jesus and making him known. It's the same Lord that we're following together. It's the same mission he's called us to. And it's just a new adventure that we're on. Are you up for it? We're not the first ones in history who've had to understand new adventures. Take a look at this picture. It's pretty fascinating, isn't it? This is from Honduras, the Choluteca River. And the Honduran government in 1998 partnered with a Japanese engineering firm and they built this bridge. Yes, this bridge. It opened in 1998 and a few months later, Hurricane Mitch uh, one of the most powerful hurricanes in many, many years, ripped through this area and literally, literally moved the river, making the bridge over the Choluteca River irrelevant and obsolete. The river literally moved. Doesn't it feel a little bit like that's what we're living through these days? That all that we had built, all that we had figured out about life, whether it's in your work, your business, your schooling, your church life, maybe even your own internal journey, all of this has moved and shifted. The river has moved. And maybe what we've built and maybe what we've spent our time on is now, well, it's not as relevant as it was before. And so is it a question of rebuilding the bridge or is it a question of jumping into the river. Let's pay attention to something. The adventure of the century. The last great pandemic was 100 years ago and now we're living through it and by God's grace, hopefully coming out of it. Let's just do a quick revisit of the adventure that KGF Church has been on the last few years because I think it helps put some things into context. Let's think pre-pandemic. We were all on the hamster wheel, weren't we? You were feeling that way maybe in your life. Maybe you weren't. As a church, we were on a hamster wheel, you know, week to week, doing a whole bunch of things. But there had been a spirit, this, the Holy Spirit's refining and preparation. Two, three years ago, this church went through transition, began a renewal of vision process, and came out with a direction to co-create communities where we're awakened and equipped for the calling that God has on each of our lives and us as a people. So God was preparing us as a people in the pre-pandemic. Then along came the pandemic and everything stopped. Everything came to a screeching halt. And it was liminality and learning. Do you know what liminality is, kids? It's when you find yourself in a situation and you're stretched and sometimes it's what you go through with a team of people. You, you go through a hard baseball season or hockey season or soccer season and something goes really difficult but you overcome together. And, that's kind of what we're going through, a period of liminality and learning. It's good for us, but it's hard. We're going through disorientation. We don't know who we're all connected to anymore. Things have been strange during this pandemic, and we're doing a lot of experimentation as a church family on a number of different things. And quite frankly, we all don't agree on things. There's differences of opinions. Again, that's not all bad. Depends what we do with that. 
So what about post-pandemic? What does the next normal look like? So maybe you can stretch out your hands like this. Hmm? Just like, hmm. Kids, can you do that? Just do this and hmm. What is the post-pandemic next normal? Well, let's just pause for a second and have a quick conversation. And let's just ask the question, what just happened? <laughs> like, what have we been through? And kids, as you look at this, can you count how many COVID-19 critters you can see here? You count them. And big people and little people and in-between people. Let's have a conversation. Name some of the news that shook us over the past 18 months. Just take a moment right now. Think about it. Maybe you even want to list it out on a piece of paper. Name some of the things that happened in the world or in your life in the last 18 months. Yeah, you're naming them. And some of them we've actually forgot. Do you remember a shooting in Nova Scotia? Do you remember George Floyd? Most recently, it's the reality of residential schools. It could be that you lost your job. It could be that your job completely shifted and changed. It could be that you missed a friend from school, and now maybe they've moved away, and you might never see them again. So, so much has happened in the last year and a half. Then let's ask that second question. What are you learning? What are some of the things that you have learned or pondered personally over the last year and a half? That's a bit more of an introspective question, but perhaps it's okay just to take the time and just pause with that. What have I learned? What am I learning? And I'm sure there's more things we'll have to learn. Well, as we look with 2020 vision, what did we learn as a church family? And we're not alone in this as the body of Christ in Canada and actually around the world. This has been a global adventure. Well, I think we've learned that the church is being renewed. In 2 Chronicles chapter 34, there's a very interesting story. I encourage you to go there. 2 Chronicles 34 verses 14 to 21. Now, just to give you the quick picture, King Josiah became king when he was eight years old. He was a young king. And eventually, he decided to rebuild the temple because, believe it or not, in Jerusalem, previous kings had let the, including his father, had allowed the temple to fall into disrepair. That central place that represented the presence of God with the Israelite people. So he commissions a rebuilding of the temple. Money is given. And then something incredible happens. He gives the money to those who are to rebuild uh, this temple. And he gives it to Hilkiah the priest, this money. And Hilkiah comes back to him and says, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. So think about it. There's a rebuilding happening. There's a great shaking that has taken place. And in the meantime, they finally found again the book of the law. They found again the scriptures in the temple of all places, unused. And Josiah reads it, and he has a moment that leads to a great renewal for his people. He says, go and inquire of the Lord for me. This is verse 21. And for the remnant in Israel and Judah, but what is written in this book that has been found, great is the Lord's anger that is poured out on us because those who have gone before us have not kept the word of the Lord. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written in this book. 
There's another remaking that takes place, another rebuilding that takes place in Ezra chapter 3. This is years later. Eventually that temple is destroyed by the Babylonian Empire. But there's a rebuilding that happens. About 70 years later, some of the captives are allowed to return to Jerusalem and they rebuild the temple. And Devin Scullin, our youth director, pointed this scripture out recently as we were thinking about it because there's a rebuilding of the temple again taking place in Ezra chapter 3. And look at what happened. When the builders laid the foundation of the temple of the Lord, the priests in their vestments and their trumpets and the Levites and the cymbals, and they took their places to praise the Lord. It's like everybody's excited. And they, they say, he is good. The Lord is good. His love endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. But, but, but. Many of the older priests and Levites and family heads who had seen the former temple, the one Josiah rebuilt, wept aloud when they saw the foundation of this temple being laid, while many others shouted for joy. And no one could distinguish the sound of the shouts of joy from the sound of weeping because the people made so much noise and the sound was heard far away. So picture it. Young people are excited because what is happening Older people are lamenting and mourning because they saw what was before. This is a bit of the season that we're in. There is a renewal, a reboot and a reset happening of the church here and around the world. This is something we're learning. We're also learning that the church is essential. The church is essential. This is a shaken world. We just talked a few minutes ago about what are the things that shook us over the last year and a half. Well, the world has been shaken. And the truth is that a shaken world needs God's ecclesia, God's church, the people of God. And that's the other thing we've learned is that the church is people, that the church is always open. You are the church. We have a building we get to meet in and use for the glory of God, but you are the people, the church. These are some of the things that we've learned now, before we move on, let me just come to this. What are the solid foundations for our life in any challenge? Well, this takes us to a central core element of what it means to be God's people. What are some of these solid foundations for any challenge? And we're not the first ones living this. One is that God has a mission. God has a mission. And it is the cross and the way of Jesus. Jesus invites you to follow him. Have you committed yourself to the cross and the way of Jesus more fully in the last year and a half than you had before? Is it time to surrender your life to the lordship and the leadership of Jesus because God has a mission and it's to reconcile you to himself. He has paid the price for your sins. He invites you into a new way of being. Would you come to him? Have you come to him? God has a mission a mission to save us and redeem us and reconcile us to himself because God's mission is also people. It is to bring you to himself, reconcile us to him, reconcile us even with ourselves, that internal voice that keeps berating us sometimes, reconcile us to our neighbors and our friends, even those whose opinions are different than us, and to reconcile us with creation. This is what God is form seeking to do in a people God's mission is people, and God's people are family. 
This is a foundational hope for any challenge. God's people are family. And we are to be maturing and multiplying and growing up as his family. These are solid foundations for any challenge. I believe it's what sustained us over the last year and a half. So what have we, KGF Church, been doing in the pandemic? What have, how have we been being the church? Well, we've worked hard at trying to keep people connected, staying connected. We've talked about hubs and hubs and hubs and lots of other things. There's been phone call initiatives. There's been many ways in which we have been connecting with one another. And I'm so proud of you who have engaged with other people, gone out of your way to meet, remember others, call them, visit them. There's so many of you who've done that. We've worked hard at staying connected. We've worked hard at simple discipleship, going deeper in prayer, scripture, faith, going simple in discipleship tools like triads and just reading scripture, maybe again or for the first time after a long time taking a break. Acts of faith. We focused on simple discipleship in this last year and a half. And for us as staff, your pastoral team and your support staff, we've been focusing on trying to become equippers. Not those who run ministries for the church, but those who equip people you, the church, to do the work of ministry, which is what Ephesians chapter 4 calls us to. And so we're learning to pivot and to equip the saints. Let's ask another question. Are you ready to talk together? This one's going to take a bit of courage. How did you pandemic your faith? How did you pandemic your faith? Did you pause? Did you just put your faith on hold? This might be the first time you've been reconnecting with the church for a long time because you've been pausing your faith. Uh, did you protest? Did you pivot? Many of us, we've all had to do this in some way, but many of us did this with our faith. We just pivoted, we adapted and did things differently. But there's questions now we have to address in each one of these. How will you unpause if you've paused? Because you can't stay paused. How has the cause that you've been protesting shaped you? Because it will have, no matter what it is. And if you've pivoted, how are you now going to find your place? Because you just constant, can't constantly keep pivoting. You need to find a place to root yourself. Which of these three best defines, describes you? Have the courage to speak it out. Now let me ask you, a question. Why do Christians meet? Well, this is connected back to what we talked about, the solid foundations for any challenge that God has a mission, God's mission is people, and that uh, God's people are family. Well, why do we meet? When Christians meet together, what's the purpose? Well, we are gathering to be equipped for God's mission so that we're shaped by the gospel, that we hear again the gospel. That we rejoice as God's people, that we're shaped by fellowship with other believers. We're, we worship God together. We, we encourage one another. We rejoice that we are part of the family of God. And then we actually work at acting as God's family. And so that requires knowing one another. That requires being gospel fellowship together. It means that we learn how to forgive. It learns how we we learn how to persevere and endure, to love one another, to encourage one another. And as um, Hebrews chapter 10 says, let's not give up meeting together. 
so that we can encourage one another on to love and good deeds and all the more as you see the day approaching, says Hebrews chapter 10. So why do Christians meet? We equip for God's mission, we rejoice as God's people, and we get to act as God's family. And how do Christians meet? Well, this is where we come to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. This is after the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, the breaking of bread, which included what we call communion, celebrating the Lord's death until he comes, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and signs were performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who was in need. And every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They praised God and enjoyed the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were being saved. So how do Christians meet? We, we meet focused on the apostles' teaching, the words of Jesus, the fellowship, breaking of bread and prayer. We meet consistently and intentionally you're not going to grow as a believer. And the church isn't going to thrive when we're not being together consistently and with intention. And we are together with all ages. They were meeting in each other's homes. There's multiple ages involved in the process of being the church. So what's this post-pandemic adventure that we're headed on? Can I encourage us to think about three primary things? One is, let's embrace the next normal. What's this thing, kids? Does anybody have an idea? Ask your parents now. What is it? It's a floppy disk. Yes, it's a floppy disk. Once upon a time, that's what everybody used to save their stuff on their computer. It was the new and exciting next normal. But now, what do we do with them? They're completely obsolete. You cannot buy a computer where you can use a floppy disk anymore. So, we just need to embrace that we're into a next normal, into a next reality, that we don't just stand looking into the sky. In Acts chapter 1, the disciples, Jesus has ascended up into heaven, and he looks around, he goes, they look around, they go, I guess he's gone. And the angels say, why are you looking up into the sky? The same Jesus who has gone back to heaven is going to return. It's time to get busy. So we embrace the next normal. You know what? There's no need to fear or to rush. Let's not rush out of this. Let's journey out of this together. And we have to realize that part of the next normal is that we're a different congregation than we were a year and a half ago. Some people have left KGF and have joined other churches. Some have drifted off and have decided that the church isn't a priority for them anymore, or they're struggling to figure out what that means, what it means to be part of God's family. Some of you are new to the KGF church family, and you don't know what it was like before. But we are actually a new congregation, and this is part of what it means for us to embrace the next normal. In this post-pandemic adventure, can we just simply meet? Just simply be together, relationally, in ways that will be simple and multipliable, in ways that include all ages. And this is what we intend to do to gather as, so that we can act as family, not rushing out of this, but simply meeting, discerning, and following God forward together. And let's have an unapologetic focus. 
of interactive discipleship. We've been trying to model that through this year of asking you to have conversations with each other, be in hubs. But again, we're going to bring all the ages together. There's going to be a new children's discipleship initiative that rolls out this fall. You'll hear more about that in the next little while. And living in gospel fellowship hubs who are actively living their faith together, being a gospel fellowship. And so what will be the rhythms for this next adventure? Well, consistent connections. Here's what you can expect as we head through the summer and into the fall. Consistent connections. A weekly hubbed life for KGF believers. Uh, a way of you connecting either with bigger groups or smaller groups, that there's no disconnected saints. You should not be, you cannot, you cannot be an individual follower of Jesus. There's actually not an option in that. He brings us into relationship with other people and your gifts are needed and you need the gifts of others. So no disconnected saints and no saints without ministry. You have gifts to offer the church. It's not just the pastors that, or the staff that are to do the work of ministry. There should be no saint without ministry. That's what we're going to focus on with consistent connections. Online resourcing. We are going to see more of this. Uh, beginning in August, our live stream will pivot. So if you've been used to joining in this way on August, at the beginning of August, you'll see a shift. It's not going to be a full service, but you're going to be brought into an online hub community. You'll still get the message, and you'll be have, but you'll have more of a chance to actually interact with other people because we want consistent connections. And we're going to work at providing more resources online between Monday to Saturday to encourage you and build your faith, that we put more of our technological energy into Monday to Saturday and less onto Sunday so that Sunday is a family Reunion, And that leads us to that last part. We want to focus on church family reunions. So some special events where we have worship and prayer celebrations together that perhaps brings us all together when maybe we will see different hubs of people that aren't always together on Sundays, but we can have certain times where we're all together. And we'll focus on retreats to invite you into times away where you can be renewed and grow and build deeper relationships with other people. So here's my simple invitation to you and to me. Can you commit to a hub? Commit to a hub as the place of your family for gospel fellowship impact. Without close relationships with a group of people that you know, it will be very difficult to grow. No come and go Christianity anymore. Uh, commit to a hub. We want to invite you into this. Commit to a hub of people. Second invitation to you, build up the fellowship. Be a contributor. Don't be a consumer. That's the invitation of God to his disciples. Jesus invites us to use our gifts. The Holy Spirit is given to give us gifts so that we are contributors to the work of the kingdom, not consumers of it. That's going to be our invitation to you. And pay deep attention to your own personal discipleship. One of the best things you can do for the health of KGF Church moving forward and the health of the work of the kingdom in this city and the world is to pay attention to your own personal discipleship, your household discipleship. And be about the gospel. God has reconciled us to himself and he's made us ambassadors of his reconciliation. 
There are more and more hubs of people needed to reach more and more people who are without Jesus, without deep connection, without a loving community around them. This is going to be our invitation to you. So commit to a hub, build up the fellowship, be about the gospel, and please pray. Would you set your alarm? You could do it right now. 6.18, Ephesians 6.18 invites us, Paul says, listen, that we should pray at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. And to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication, prayers for all the saints. Set an alarm for 6.18. And when it goes off, pray for your church and our impact in the world to the glory of God. Now, Let's close with one last thought here. Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. Now just put it into context for a second. The reality is that after the resurrection, the disciples stepped into a next normal they had never actually considered could be possible. God revealed himself in Jesus Christ. God in Jesus Christ died on the cross so that forgiveness of sins could come. God in Jesus Christ was reconciling the world to himself, bringing together Jew and Gentile, those who are opposites, bringing them into his family, making him a people. They're trying to understand what does it mean to live this new normal? And Jesus commissions them. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, are we worshiping right now? We should be. And some doubted. Are you doubting right now? I think that might be normal. And then Jesus came to them and he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That's talking about bringing them into his family, immersing them into the family of God teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Live the very thing. Pay attention to your personal disciple following of me so that you can invite others into that. And then he says, surely I am with you always, even in next normals, even in pandemics, even when it's confusing. I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are Jesus' words into the next normal for his disciples. It is still our marching orders. You are invited. It's time to get off the bridge and get into the river. This is our invitation, friends. Now it's time for you to do some more work. Here's our discussion starter question. As you've listened as you've pondered and the things that you've been learning and God has been speaking to you, how are you being stirred to step into the next normal? Could we discuss this together? Could we dream together? I want to invite you over the next few days, you're going to have opportunities to interact some more on this presentation with me and others. Hopefully there's a daily devotional that's based on this that will be sent out all week. Uh, you can, it's going to be a short little video that leads you to a devotional moment. KGF and Conversation opportunity Monday night, 6.30 p.m. online. There's a link that's been sent out. Or 7.30 in person at our building. And there's going to be a shorter version of this, about a five-minute thing, just so that you can refresh. Listen, how are you being stirred to step into the next normal? 
can see in the background here, there's lots that's different, lots that's changed. Look around your own life, the same is true. But how are you being stirred by the Spirit of God to step into the next normal? Let's pray, and then you can chat. Lord, lead us. We need you desperately. Thank you for your faithfulness. Show us your ways. Lord, fill us with your Holy Spirit that we may become more like you, not just in the character and the holiness of our lives, but actually in the character and the holiness of who we are as a people together, that we would act as God's family. And God, perhaps this morning there's somebody who's never given their life to you, and they need to repent. They need to say, God, I've been going the wrong way. I want to go your way. Would you forgive me of my sin? I come your way. Whatever it is, friend, you can come to him because God's on a mission, and his mission is people. His mission is you, and he wants to invite you into what he's doing in the world. So, Lord, all these things we pray, trusting you to lead us because you're good. And any next normal we can step into because all authority in heaven and earth has been given to our Lord Jesus, and he is with us always, even now. Amen. All right, church, have at it. How are you being stirred to step into the next normal?